to you. I was never like super, even now I'm like, I think I'm doing it okay, but <laughs> I've never been the most egotistical one, but I am egotistical about how not egotistical I am. <laughs> and so we all decided, okay, we're gonna go on this Wednesday night. And yeah, so I think there are five of us maybe that all went and did open mic where you get like two to three minutes. And my first time actually went really well. And I was, and I, I guess that moment I was like, well, I figured this out right away. I went back the next week and just, it's still probably the worst set I've ever had. It was just pure silence and just deafening silence. And I think these, like there were some kind of like a mom's group that was out having a fun night. They were uh-huh. getting a little, little tipsy. And then, like during the silence, one of them's like, you're doing just fine, which <laughs> means you're not doing fine. I'm looking forward to sharing this episode of The Cultural Hall with you. Jordan Macon and I have known each other for at least a decade, and I know that you're going to find yourself really enjoying this conversation. Now, do we talk about some serious stuff? Sure, but he's also a stand-up comedian, talks about how he gets into it and uh, and what he loves about it. So look forward to laughing a little bit, I hope, if we do our job right. If you have not yet become a Patreon subscriber, we do have more goals set out. Uh, there's a way for you to get in on a whole year, save you a little bit of money, or you can do it by the month. There's the $5 and the $10 tier. Love to have you. Patreon.com forward slash The Cultural Hall. You can always email us, contact at theculturalhall.com. And we are looking to get those 300 reviews by our 500th episode. Can you believe it? 500 episodes is coming from The Cultural Hall. We've actually done way more than that, but let us not get uh, skewed away from the point. Uh, 300 reviews by our 500th episode. Hop over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review if that's where you get your podcasts. We would love to hear from you and what you like about the show. You can always email us guest suggestions. And if you just, you know, you had a question about something, contact at theculturalhall.com. Find us on all the social medias at The Cultural Hall. And here is this week's episode. It's time for another episode of The Cultural Hall. The way this episode came about, someone said, you know who you should interview? Jordan Macon. And I said, that's it. All right, I'll do it. And now he is here with us. Do you know who Jordan Macon is? Are you ready for me and my friend Jordan Macon to entertain you for the next hour? Now, sure, we're going to find out who he is and and what it is that he does. But uh, what people don't know is that uh, Jordan and I are friends. And so it will likely also sound like two friends talking about a bunch of dumb (laughs) stuff for the next hour as well. Welcome in, Jordan. Way to sell it, Richie. This Listen, is going to be a great episode. Well, it'll be it'll be different, uh, I think, than uh, than people have heard for a while because oftentimes it'll be like Jordan has taken a deep dive into ancient Israel and its comparison to <laughs> right, and so uh, and so today, like, I want to get your story. I don't want to rob you, deprive you of that opportunity and chance, but I can guarantee that within this time that I'll be like, oh yeah, and what about you know those curtains behind your head right now. And you'll be like, well, and then we'll spend 10 minutes on the curtains and you'll be like, yeah, and my parents were divorced, right? Like I guarantee that's how this will go. It's going to be a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. So uh, keep your hands and legs inside the ride at all times. Exactly. Uh, Jordan, where are you from? What do you do? Let's start there. um, Well, I am originally from Pleasant Grove, Utah. Mm, mm. My family settled Pleasant Grove back in the 1800s at some point. Is that real? (laughs) <laughs> yeah they they were probably there about 20 years after pleasant grove started okay but there's a we have a huge chunk of land in the whole street that's all macon's in pleasant grove close to uh manila elementary if you know okay. the area okay and for people who don't even know where pleasant grove is it's like a <laughs> it's like a suburb of a suburb <laughs> hey it's uh, it's where it's where doTERRA's main facility is located now so we're on the map okay okay and that new uh park evermore that do you know what i'm talking yeah, about yeah sure it's like it, it's a it's the park that could be it, is yeah. the, that's how i describe it uh evermore park is this i guess it's a, like a hollywood acclaimed director or something right and i don't know and, is it and and then another guy who has a bunch of money they got together and said wouldn't it be cool and and they're whatever they have designed which is sort of like this harry potter land meets Jurassic Park meets <laughs> Disneyland. You know what I'm saying? Like it's all these things. Yeah. But as far as I know, they have like two buildings and you can go there for a week around Halloween. Yeah, they keep on saying it's almost open. I had some people go and they're like, it was good, but you should wait till it's all the way open. And I'm like, I don't know what yeah. that's gonna be. Yeah. And it's in a suburb of a suburb, so we'll see. 
next to doTERRA yeah next to doTERRA the funny thing is that like that freeway exit there's like a sewage line there and so it usually smells really bad right yeah. when you're passing by doTERRA their smells don't overtake it with their oils yeah well that what they need to do is they need to start polluting the water with their oils combat <laughs> the sewer smell <laughs> Then like an opposite dark water movie where they're actually making it better with their pollution. Yes. <laughs> is that what dark water is about? I didn't actually even know what that movie's about. We, fi- we finally watched it. Yeah. It's, it's the crazy thing is that the, there's no resolution. We're all still being poisoned. That's how it ends. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry no. for spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Be warned everyone. If you were <laughs> waiting on edge to see the end of dark water and people are like, yeah, that was next up on my quarantine watching. <laughs> That actually was what I was going to watch next. Thanks a lot, Jordan. Uh, so Utah, Utah boy, essentially, right? Your family goes back back ages and ages in the church. Yeah, pioneer heritage. They came out here. Brigham Young sent my great great grandpa to go to settle St. George and stuff or something. I don't know. My dad knows the history better than me. And he got distracted on the way because Pleasant Grove <laughs> is not at all near St. George. No, there's just lots of family members. Someone went to Pleasant Grove. There's this there's a family story we always talk about. Some some ferry down in Pleasant or down in St. George, like he was the ferryman that would help get people across. And this is a so, relative of yours? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I, I just I just would <laughs> like to point out something. This is literally a rel- a relative of yours and uh, some people will call stand-up comedians storytellers uh, from the stage, and you are literally the worst storyteller about your family history. Okay, here's a real good story. So okay. this he this is the story that gets told my family a lot. He uh, this so he was a ferryman, getting people back and forth some water down there. Uh-huh. But some bandits came and tied him up, and they tied him up and they they took him on horseback way far away. And the story in our family history books is that he he rolled all the way back like miles like just because his hands and legs were tied so he rolled like shoulder over shoulder all the way what i'm saying is i come from a tough line of people (laughs) (laughs) a lot of tough guys in the background and so uh growing up at pleasant grove did you uh always was church always your jam did you always go or was there at that time where you're like no i'm fighting society forget it no i think we were uh we were always in I mean, we, my family's never been like, we, we all go to church, but it's, it's okay to be like, oh, we're so excited to get home sort of family. <laughs> sure. <laughs> my brothers and I would have basketball shorts under our church clothes. And then as soon as we walk through the door back home, we just rip off our church pants and we'd already be in our shorts and t-shirt. And I thought it was the coolest thing. Yeah. Look, mom, check this out. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go outside. Mom needs a break. So, uh, so then, uh, growing up, did you, did you? Well, let me ask you this: Did you end up serving a mission, or was it always like, oh, maybe I will, or was it always the kind of the understood of like, yeah, I'm definitely doing that. Yeah, like my, I so I have two older brothers that were quite older than me. Like they had already gone and come back before I left, and so it was, it was kind of expectation. I don't think my family like would have been the type to disown me if I didn't. Sure, but it was definitely like. Like, I'll be honest, I wasn't like really like stoked to go. I was right. like, I want to get this over with. But yeah, so I, I got to got a call to the mystical land of Lubbock, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Which I said, I read as Lubbock, Texas. Oh, sure. Call. And do you have like an old scratchy VHS video of you reading the call? Yeah, I'm sure I do somewhere. And like a weepy, a weepy hand that's shaking. As it records you. <laughs> oh, that's so great. <laughs> what what's Lubbock, Texas like? What's like what's it like being a missionary in Lubbock, Texas? I assume that Lubbock is uh down very south, right? So Lubbock's like right in the it's actually West Texas. Okay. And our mission did go all the way down to the border, but Lubbock's like west, right in the middle, Texas. Okay. And so West Texas is like what you think of stereotypical Texas, like cowboys and just pump jacks everywhere and just flat and dirt and barbecue good good (laughs) barbecue good barbecue oh yeah 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 great great barbecue great mexican food that's what i miss the most but lubbock has texas tech university so it is kind of a college town but my i so actually my first six months our mission took part of new mexico into it too so i was in clovis new mexico is that like why why do i know clovis new mexico Uh, i don't know okay 
That's not well, like that's not like alien New Mexico, right? And it's not. No, but Roswell was part. I did go to Roswell. That's okay. part of my mission okay. too. Okay. And it's really sad. It's the saddest little like tourist trap of just weird alien exhibits that look like they bought it at a party store. Really? <laughs> yeah, just weird like rubber doll aliens everywhere. You can go walk through these museums, but it's just it feels like a Halloween store. A lot of uh, mission work going on in Roswell. You know, I I never was like that was never my place. I went there for like a zone conference, uh. but I mean, it was probably probably fertile ground. People believe in aliens. We can get them to believe in the truth. Why not? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> if they'll believe in aliens. Certainly, they'll they'll find and believe the truth. What? Uh, what? What was the rest of Texas like? Pretty hard, I imagine. So here's the deal. I served in Cleveland. I don't know if you remember that or not. It doesn't matter if you don't. I just told oh, you. I, <laughs> I always, yeah, I remember most facts. About yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I I actually have this book I've been keeping. He <laughs> yeah, holds my up a book. diary. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I served in Cleveland, and um, and it was just pretty Midwestern, right? Like, I didn't get a lot of um, like your stereotypical like Bible Belt folks. I didn't get a lot of like my Eastern progressives. Like it was just a lot of people that are like, meh, yeah, we yeah. go to church and yeah, we're okay. We're we're right. good as far as that goes. But when I hear Texas, I, I think different. Yeah, Texas was very uh they called it the belt buckle of the Bible belt <laughs> <laughs> down there. Of course they and, did. <laughs> but people are really nice and until you talk about religion. Uh-huh. They would they would they are very kind people until you're like, so you want to learn more? And they're like, get off my porch right now. Yeah. But no, lots of really good Christian people, but it wasn't a place where it's like you're baptizing a ton of people. Ever had any scary moments? Those moments where you're like, I might die doing this right now. No, not really. Because yeah. it's yeah. Because I was never confrontational either. Yeah. You're like, hey, we'd like to teach you. They're like, no, thank you. We're like, I can completely understand your I point totally of view. I totally get it. And we're getting thank out of you. here right now. <laughs> so uh, what I don't hear in any of in any of this uh, is this burning desire to be a stand-up comedian. So walk me up to that point. What what made you want to do that? Well, you're actually an integral part of this, Richie. Well, I, don't know, I, I don't know if you remember. I Well, I sort of remember, but I feel like it's a little pretentious to bring someone on as an interview and be like, and I was an integral part of this, remember? <laughs> I know you're going to do like a pre-episode part where you're like, and on the episode today will be Jordan Macon, where he'll tell you just how much I was important in his life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I touch a lot of people's lives. Uh, this is just one that I'll share with you today. <laughs> well, I, I was never, I never even thought about it until, you know, even a few years after I got home from my mission, I liked being funny. Mm-hmm. And in my high school, we had a radio station, Pleasant Grove has KPGR. And so I did like a weekly radio show and I liked being funny. I liked making funny videos. Were you, never... were you, were you like the, uh, like the class clown or were you sort of the, I didn't think Jordan would be that funny, but I'm surprised by the humor level that I'm receiving from Jordan. That's the second one for okay. sure. Because I wasn't like louder like in the front, but I would I would be very strategic with my moments to throw a comment out there. And if I got a laugh, I'd be happy for a week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I did it. I made the popular kids laugh. <laughs> so, so I really wanted to do radio. Rich, like That was like my dream. Um, and so I went to, I was going to UVU doing a communication degree, which if people don't know, it's Utah Valley university. It's in in Utah County. It's also in a suburb of Provo, which is a (laughs) suburb of Salt Lake city. Yeah. And pleasant and there's pleasant Grove, which is a suburb of the suburb. Yeah. So I finally got an internship, which I thought would be really hard to get into with, am I allowed to mention these these things you were part of? Yeah. Can I say the H word on oh, this? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. The Radio from Hell show, which Richie T, you're the producer and then the producer, but you're also a personality on it, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what your official title was. Executive producer was official title, but Ooh. we're no respecter of title. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I found this internship. And then it was, I think you emailed everyone said, okay, come for an interview. And I was like, so nervous. And basically six people show up and you're like, all right, so you guys are going to start on Monday. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, awesome. I didn't have to like pass any sort of test to get in here. So I was doing that internship and I, so I lived down in Pleasant Grove, like 45, 50 minutes away from where the radio station was. 
and the morning show started at six and we had to be there at five thirty or something. So I was always waking up really early and I started listening to comedy podcasts like uh, WTF is the one I listen to a lot. And I started hearing stories of all these comedians and driving to and from the radio station. And so finally I was like, I should try this. And so all the interns were, were there. We looked up and found wise guys comedy online, which is Salt Lake city's comedy club. Which uh, a previous guest of the Cultural Hall, Keith Stubbs, he was episode 20. Uh, he's the one who started Wise Guys. And you can go back and listen to that. He has a fascinating story as well. It's episode 20. Just worth plugging right there. Yeah, Keith, Keith's really cool. What episode number am I? Uh, you'll be like episode 400 and some. Whoa. Yeah. It's been a while. It, yeah, that's crazy. And then it's not behind a paywall? You yeah. You keep them all no, free? No, not yet. <laughs> listen, if you want to go in halfsies, we can put some things behind a paywall. Can mine be behind a paywall automatically? Yes. Yep. Yep. I'll do that. (laughs) I don't know how people will hear this to know that it's behind a paywall because it's already behind a paywall, but you bet. You bet. They're going to say, oh, that's why I paid $15 for this hour of two friends talking. They'll actually be like this. I paid $15 an hour for two (laughs) friends talking like this? Hey, COVID's really, uh, people don't have as much interaction. They're, they'll they'll yep. go to desperate, desperate Yeah, listen, means. people will do do whatever it takes to be entertained. <laughs> so you're driving a bunch. You're listening to comedy podcasts. And, and let me guess, is the thought, well, I could do that. Yeah, well, yeah. The, or that I wanted to. I was never like super, even now, I'm like, I think I'm doing it okay. But <laughs> I've never been the most egotistical one. But I am egotistical about how not egotistical I am. Mm-hmm. And... <laughs> So we all decided, okay, we're going to go on this Wednesday night. And yeah, so I think there are five of us maybe that all went and did open mic where you get like two to three minutes. And my first time actually went really well. And I was, and I, I guess that moment I was like, well, I figured this out right away. Yeah. And so and the next you're week. You're a natural. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is so dumb. I went back the next week and just, it's still probably the worst set I've ever had. It was just pure silence and just deafening silence and i think these like there were some kind of like a mom's group that was out having a fun night uh-huh. they were getting a little a little tipsy and then, like during the silence one of them's like you're doing just fine which <laughs> means you're not doing fine right <laughs> let, let, let me ask you this and hopefully you remember if not this this question sucks real bad uh <laughs> do you remember what you what you did as part of your first set yeah i did i did redhead jokes sure there's still one that like I do somewhat. It's really it's uh, this was the first joke I think I ever wrote. It was that I was reading online. I saw this. I saw this headline that said if the Earth were to move just ten feet closer to the sun, everyone would burn up and die because we're like the perfect distance from the sun right now. Uh-huh. And as a redhead, this stressed me out a whole lot. So I went to some fact checker websites to see if it was true. And don't worry, it's not true. I found this site that said, no, 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 this, the earth is constantly moving closer and further away from the sun. The earth just moved 10 feet closer. We'd all be just fine. But then I saw there was an asterisk next to we'd all be just fine. So I scrolled to the bottom and it said, we'd all be fine, except redheads. They would disintegrate into little piles of cinnamon sugar. But the good news is the rest of us will have twice as many swirls on our cinnamon toast crunch. It's a really weird. Now that I say it, I'm like, that's a lot of setup for not very much punchline. Yeah. That was my first joke. <laughs> it got a laugh. Did a lot of work. <laughs> I paid $15 yeah. for this. Yeah. Pack your bags because we're going on a joke adventure. <laughs> we, we just got to the joke meadow, not even the joke vista. It's like, and... Cinnamon sugar swirl. Okay, okay. Cinnamon so. sugar get a laugh. I'll yeah, tell listen. you, cinnamon sugar got a laugh. Yeah. Well, uh, as we all know, any ginger person is just made of cinnamon and sugar. <laughs> it, I it, don't know. <laughs> it makes sense to me in my weird comedy. Listen, brain. listen, I love it. And and for people who uh, aren't able to see this, because our Patreon subscribers are actually able to see this video. Oh, uh, really? They, they get that extra level of the fact that you are burned to a I'm, crisp right I'm now. I'm so sunburnt right now. And I think I do a joke now about how it's nice to be a balding redhead. Oh, yeah. Because when I get sunburnt on my scalp, it uh, makes it look like I have a little bit more hair. <laughs> it fills in the gap. Sure. Yeah, but I don't think it does because my skin is redder than my hair right now. Yeah. yeah it's like, is that hair or is there? <laughs> does, he have, does he have little cotton tufts on the top? All right. <laughs> Uh, let's take a break real quick. When we come back in the second block of the cultural hall, uh, we'll talk just a bit more about uh, what it means to be a, a stand-up comedian. And then we'll kind of 
transfer into uh, what it means to be a comedian and uh, a member of the church. We'll talk about and discover some stuff along the way. It's two friends talking. We'll be back in the second block of the Cultural Hall. It's been a while since I've told you about bestdjinutah.com. Go there, bestdjinutah.com. Now that events are starting to open up, yay, just a little bit, as we look forward to the spring and summertime of 2021, I would love to be the DJ at your wedding. Now, there have been several people who have heard of me because of the cultural hall and said, you know what, he DJs weddings, we'd love to have him, and they they loved having me there. You don't have to take my word for it, but I can give you those people's contact information. You can find me uh, by searching me on Google, bestdjinutah.com. Uh, or just Best DJ in Utah, you can read their reviews. Did you know, as a matter of fact, I am the highest rated and most rated DJ in the state of Utah? How about that? That's something. BestDJinUtah.com. Love to be able to celebrate the biggest day of your life with you and your family. And also, if you're looking to have in that great summertime, you know, reunion where everyone wears the same shirt and you go to a ranch and you want a hoedown, I'll do that. I'll be your hoedown guy. Gotta be careful, I'm not sure where this is going exactly. BestDJinUtah.com for all your DJ needs. I got. I have a good job. I actually work at a university. Um, I teach public speaking. I try to play it cool because I'm actually not that much older than a lot of my students. It's like, for example, this one girl raised her hand and she was like, hey, Mr. Macon, I have a question. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Mr. Macon's my dad's name. You will refer to me as Professor Macon from here on out. <laughs> you know, just playing it cool, keeping it cash. Um, <laughs> Believe it or not, students can be actually disrespectful. This happened, I finished a lecture, I said, are there any questions? A student raised his hand, I said, yes. He said, um, yeah, you look like the bad guy from Toy Story 2. <laughs> it seems like you agree. <laughs> But I was so mad, I needed to put him in his place. I was like, look, kid, that was not a question. If you wanted to further the discussion, say, do you look like the bad guy from Toy Story 2? And I would have said yes, and we could have had a discussion about it. As another time, I was teaching this class, it was kind of rowdy. The whole class was actually out of control. And what I wanted to say was, you guys better be quiet or else I'm going to blow a gasket. That's an actual phrase people say. But I was so flustered, what came out was, you guys better be quiet or else I'm gonna flip a casket. <laughs> and there was a pause. <laughs> Cause both parties knew something was wrong. <laughs> and <laughs> what I can do in that situation is either I can pull back and like lose some respect or I could commit 100%. <laughs> I committed 100%. I was just like, yeah, I'm so mad I'll be flipping all your caskets. I'm gonna come to your funeral and disrespect it. That's what I'm gonna do. No, it's weird though. It's especially weird trying to gain the respect of students because I've been living with my parents for a little bit. Uh, which I don't want them to know. Actually, I like living with my parents right now. It's great. Um, but something happened that's never happened before. I was sleepwalking, and I've never done that before, but I was sleepwalking and I tried to get in bed with my parents. <laughs> and I woke up as I was hovering over my mom, and she was like, Jordan, what are you doing in here? And I was embarrassed. I didn't want them to know I'd been sleepwalking, because I'm like independent and stuff like that. So I thought on my feet, I was like, uh, 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 I had a bad dream, and they snuggled me better. It was fine. We got, we got out of that situation. Here in the second block of the Cultural Hall, that was just a short clip of Jordan Macon uh, as part of his, uh, dry bar comedy. Now, you're thinking, well, why is he telling us this? Well, two reasons. That's how funny Jordan is. I wanted to make sure we drove home that point but also uh, all of that comedy that uh, is available via dry bar comedy is also uh, available with your living scriptures subscription and so if you go to theculturalhall.com in association with this episode you will find a link i'll be honest completely transparent it is an affiliate link for people to 
who listen to the Cultural Hall, click on and be able to get a free month of Living Scriptures. You can be able to check out all that content. They would love for you to continue to be a subscriber to Living Scriptures. But if you're not, you can just enjoy that free month and then there's no sort of like catch at the end. You can watch more of Jordan and other comedian specials as well as other great religious programming. It's Living Scriptures and the link is at theculturalhall.com in the show notes for this episode. Jordan, you are one big fat funny ginger. Thank you. It's a compliment. Yeah. Do you feel that? Do you always <laughs> feel like with gingers, people are you like it almost... Ginger seems like an elevated, escalated word that I just like. I sometimes I feel like people are like, "You're a ginger," and they're like, "Oh, my dear sweetheart," and I have this place for you. And other times it's like, "Ginger," like a like an expletive. Well, when I was growing up, that South Park episode came out where they said where the whole premise is that they convinced the school that gingers don't have souls, uh-huh. and I didn't even know where it came from, but that was just a thing that was told to me all the time. Uh huh. And we're we're worried about you know like uh participation trophies with kids right now when every every school has a little ginger kid that's being told he doesn't have a soul yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and there's his but, eternal future but it seems like and i i haven't i don't have the uh statistical research as far as this goes but like we we that is gingers united you i others uh <laughs> we are the butt of many jokes and i and 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 though I appreciate it, I appreciate the attention, et cetera, there's, there's also a part of it that I just don't get. It's like, yeah, there was a, a genetic mutation when I was in utero. I've got red hair. Here's the thing I, you know, I can't do anything about. Thanks. Right. Yeah. It's, it doesn't make our lives very easy. Like I can't go outside. Like I went outside for a while and now I'm, I'm in pain for a week. That's yeah. people should have more, should feel worse for us instead of just, <sighs> thinking we're some joke well well the other part of it too is um and tell me what you think about this like uh like with with redheads you really roll the dice like you either get like a really attractive redhead and maybe i'm speaking more about more about women right you either get like the really attractive redheaded woman yeah or you go no nope and with and with gentlemen i dare you to name me more than one really attractive redheaded gentleman. Uh, yeah, we're all if if we're if redheads are attractive gentlemen, it's always like in a weird specific way. Like that guy that's on Game of Thrones, right? He's like the he's like the gruff redheaded right. guy, right? But I would contend that that part of it is also like his beard. Like name me a clean shaven. <laughs> that's true. Name me a clean shaven, good looking redhead guy. Yeah. Like, yeah, like stop you in your tracks. Cause here's the deal. A lot of people who are listening to this. will be like, wow, he really hates his own people. But <laughs> like you either have like these like mystical creatures of redheaded women or you're yeah. like, uh, no, thank you. And then all the redheaded <laughs> gentlemen are always like, have you ever seen a more average looking guy than that guy? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we all feel like we have to cover our faces with beards. Yes. Because people say, oh, that's a nice red beard. It, it takes away from other features. Yeah, please don't look at the rest of me. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I, yeah, all the Weasleys ugly. Yeah. Um, I mean, memorable. People love them. And, that, and that's the other point, right? Is I, I, I would contend that you'll never meet a redhead that can't handle either self-deprecating humor or deprecating humor because we we have either done it to ourselves or had to deal with it. So like we're the cool kids you want to invite to the party, especially since you're not ever going to be threatened that they'll take the man or woman you're trying to go after because <laughs> they they won't be wanted. There'll be a harmless good time. Yeah, we are the eternal wingman <laughs> or woman. I'm worried my so my wife isn't red-haired, but she she does have red hair in her family. She's very fair-skinned and uh-huh. She's like, I want little cute redheaded kids. I'm like, I would just feel so bad for them going into this world. But it's likely we'll have some redheaded kids in the future. Well, and, and I considered that. So this is interesting, actually. Little pull, peel back the curtain. So my wife and I, uh, we have both talked about having kids and also talked about never talking about having kids ever again. <laughs> and uh, for whatever reason, in my mind, uh, I locked into this idea about a decade ago where I was like, I would really like to have two kids. I'd like to have a boy and I'd like to have a girl and that girl, I would like her to have red hair. I'm being very specific right now. (laughs) And I'd like her to be one of those like really like strikingly beautiful girls. And I'd love her to have that red hair and I'd love for her name to be Penelope. And then 
only to me, she would be daddy's lucky penny, like a <laughs> copper, like a copper-headed girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, here's the problem. My wife does not have redhead recessive genes at all, and so I'm like, well, maybe a miracle, maybe if I pay 12% and my wife <laughs> is like, that's, that, that's not how, I mean... That's not you how God try. works. That's not how God works. Listen, we'll try. We will definitely try. But I don't know that. Uh... Well, it's important too. You heard like we're going extinct. There was an article that said we have like uh, like two hundred years left before there's no more redheads. What? Yeah, we're not mating with each other enough. What? <laughs> because of the spectrum. <laughs> All right, yeah, I'm gonna but... have to. I'm gonna have to have a very hard conversation with my <laughs> wife tonight. <laughs> Do you feel like being a redhead has uh, availed you some opportunities within the comedy world that you wouldn't have had otherwise? That's a good question. I feel like it does it does help you to look a little funny or different on stage, which I think my red hair right. does that. But I haven't gotten any like redheaded comedy festivals or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they do those. Well, but I think it I think in addition, I mean, like you say, it helps to be memorable in any in any sort. And if you're like, oh, the brown hair the brown haired average looking guy, no. Oh, the fat, yeah. gin- the fat ginger kid. Oh, yeah, Jordan. Sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why when that guy said you were a big, fat, funny ginger up there, it really was a compliment from his perspective. It hurt what receiving it, but that's all he wants. He wants to see a fat ginger guy on stage making him laugh. So it is not an easy road to hoe to be a uh, stand-up comedian. It's worth pointing out that you also have sort of the side job. So you're essentially working two jobs. Uh, as you try, as you try and go about this, is is the desire to be a professional? I don't have to work a day job, comedian, or are you like, well, I'm content where I'm at. I mean, the ultimate dream is to be like, this is my only source of income, and it's or I'm making it work. It's kind of hard being being stationed in Utah. Like, that's not a super realistic thing. There's there's no comedian that lives here that's like that's their job job, um, unless they're off doing cruises and stuff a lot. So I I've gone to the point where I can make some money doing it and like that feels good that that's like not just a hobby mm-hmm. it actually is a source of income you know because um, it'd be there's some people that just stick with it that are never good and they just go to open mics and they've been doing it for so many years and not making any money and i'm like i don't know why you keep doing this like I, good for you for having passion for it but it's sure it would be a little demoralizing it's about me. the art jordan <laughs> yeah i guess so um so yeah i'd love to be i mean i'm realistic that like that's a that's a tough thing but I don't know. My, my wife's kind of like a go-getter and is getting promotions in her job. So if she gets a job in a place that's more a uh, comedy hub, yeah, then I maybe I'll be the stay-at-home dad. Maybe you could com- be the wait for it <laughs> comedy hub. Huh? Whoa, 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 whoa! He's pulling it down. He's bringing it in. He's offering it up. Is he going to pick it up? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so that yeah. So most most comedians here even like my buddies that are doing even more stuff than me still have day jobs and but yeah so i'm i'm trying to get to a place where i'm content with it and when you're doing comedy it's always like if i get to this point i'll be happy and it's like well i still want more right i mean that that's essentially life or at least my life right like if i can make this and it doesn't even necessarily have to be the money i'm like that's when i'll be happy and then i get to that point and i'm like yeah not happy well if i the reason why is i need to get to this thing and then I get there and it's like, ah, no, no, still not happy. And then that's when I feel like 70 year old me and you sit around and we're like, yeah, we never were going to be happy in the thing. We needed to be happy with ourselves. And then we go, why didn't we realize this earlier? I know. So, so let me ask you this, as far as being a, a member of the church and being a comedian, is that harder, easier? What are the, what are your feelings around that? So I think it it makes some things easier and it makes some things maybe more annoying. What what make what it makes easier is that I just naturally was gonna write pretty clean, clean mm-hmm. jokes. Um and really if you wanna make money in comedy, especially early on, you need to be clean because you're gonna get like corporate shows, do shows for companies, and they're not gonna want some like filthy comedian. And so I think just the fact that I mean that's just kind of my personality that I wouldn't go up there and say stuff that my parents would cry about. Right. <laughs> that I was just already writing jokes like that. It can be a little frustrating. The this, this, the stigma that comes along with it with like the cooler, hip, non-Mormon comedians. Like what? When, like oh, like ever? He's like gather around. I've got a joke, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah. No, this is this is not for you, Mormon kid. Like that kind of thing. No, nah, I mean maybe at first, but even just 
how do I explain it? Just like, can we say that around you? You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> can we say these words around you? Yeah. And and you just hear a lot of like, I don't know, as, as a being at open mics and stuff a lot, being a Mormon person, you see so much like anti-Mormon material, especially in Salt Lake. So sure. people are just angry and that's their outlet. And so it gets really exhausting um, hearing that stuff all the time. But also being, I don't know, you might be, people might be like, oh, I don't want the super clean person to be on my fun, dirty show hmm. and stuff like that. But that happens less than the opposite where you want to be clean and then, but you only have dirty jokes sort of thing. Do, do you, do you tell them clever quips? Like I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Is that <laughs> yeah, how, and then, is that how then you they, get them back? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We showed you. Yeah. And no, mo- most everybody's really cool. It's just like, I don't know. They're definitely like, there's the Mormon comedian crew. Uh-huh that we hang out together yeah. drinking a root beer yeah exactly and then there's the other people and people will joke and be like oh it's the brethren over there and stuff like that yeah. or the bishop i think we were being called the bishopric for a little bit oh that's fun yeah who, so who, it's never really that bad who who are those other folks people that maybe we need to know i know that anyone who's listened to the cultural hall for a while we've talked with some folks uh steve solberg has been on the show before uh his is a great episode i'll find the number and i'll link it in the show notes um, because the way that he answers the final questions is epic. Uh, I'll leave that there. Uh, also, Keith Stubbs, as we mentioned, he's not only a, a comedy club owner, but also a comedian himself. And we talk about, you know, within his clubs, he, I mean, he sells alcohol and how he kind of uh, not justifies it, but how he, you know, makes that make sense in his mind and some of those things that, that people have questions about. Are there other up and coming or established folks that we that we should be talking to that are members of the church? I mean, like Alex Valuto, he's super great. Um, Andrew Hobbs, they both have dry bar specials, which you can see on. I didn't know I was affiliated with Living Scriptures. I'm going to put that in my comedy bio. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that you can see all dry bar comedy on Living Scriptures. If not, please disregard the earlier uh, advertisement, which we shared. <laughs> Let's see. So those are like those are like my close friends I hang out with. But like as far as top tier Mormon comedians, Ryan Hamilton, mm-hmm. who has a Netflix special, you know. We visited with Jenna Kim Jones uh, fairly recently as well. Oh, she's, yeah, Jenna. She's very funny. Yeah, I got to do some dry bar tour dates with her. She's awesome. Let me ask you this. That kind of uh, pivots into this question. Are, are there a lot of uh, women just in general or even more specific women members of the church who do comedy? You know, comedy's kind of been a boys club. And it's, I think it's starting to shift where there's, there's more women comedians. But there really aren't a ton in Salt Lake. There's a couple. And I don't think any of them are... LDS. I don't think any of them are. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder if it's just a thing because, uh, like, like you mentioned that it's hard just with like different beliefs. Like it's then even that much harder as women try and break in because of men's perspectives of women be fun, being funny. And the fact that there are no other women, I can't imagine a, maybe a more difficult road than a, uh, active Mormon woman trying to do stand up comedy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult place to navigate. I think so for sure. I hope I'm not forgetting someone. I'll feel bad if I am. Well, but yeah, <laughs> that's why you can repent, Jordan. <laughs> yes, that's what that's for. Uh, let me let me ask you this: sort of on the clean stuff. Have you ever been called out where people know you're a member of the church and you say something that you're like, "Listen, it's clean," but it offended someone who was like, "Wait, we we're in the same club, and how, why how why are you saying that kind of thing?" So I don't think I've ever had anybody call me out. Uh-huh. I do jokes. I've, I've tried to at least where I write this line where it's like, it's a little bit taboo, but not so offensive that an active member would be offended by uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. But I do write this line. That's kind of like joking, but not crossing it. And so I've had people be like, so wait, are you actually a member? Or are you just saying, uh-huh. cause I say I am on stage, uh-huh. but then I say things that are maybe a little bit like, I don't know. Not, not really not over the line at all, but some people are like, are you just saying it just so you can have that joke or are you actually yeah. <laughs> like, no, I actually am. No, look, here's my temple recommend. Give me an idea of like one of those, uh, those, uh, borderline things. Oh, okay. Let, let me think. I mean, one of my real crowd pleasers. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you like tongue in cheek. Like this is something you're so passionate about. And it's like, you're like. And this real dumpster, this dumpster <laughs> fire of a joke that I made up one night after drinking a ginger ale and staying up past 10 with my wife. <laughs> well, I think it, I, I've only survived in comedy by being self-deprecating and sure. survived my, my entire life as a redhead. Right. So it's just it's just integrated right in. Yeah. Let's see. One that people 
Um, I do one where I, I talk about how I was at, like, I love church, but I get stressed out sometimes with things that I hear there. And I heard this one, this one person was up there talking and they said, I love tithing because it's the one commandment I can be a hundred percent perfect in. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I was like, it's true. You can be a hundred percent perfect. You can pay exactly 10%, but it stressed me out because they said it was the one commandment they could be a hundred percent perfect in. <laughs> Are we struggling with the whole not murdering people commandment? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not a great guy, but I think I'm 100% perfect. Yeah, yeah. That one. <laughs> I mean, but to be fair to that person speaking, you don't know that you haven't killed someone. I don't know? Or yeah, I... no, you don't know that you haven't killed someone. What, is, what does this mean? Are you, <laughs> are you exposing me today? <laughs> I, f- I feel like I know that I haven't killed anyone. Yeah, but you don't. You know, like that one, you know, sort of esoteric, phil- philosophical. I mean, you don't know that you like have butterfly effects. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like oh, you man, turned right, right. You turned right that day, Jordan. <laughs> if you would have turned left. Well, I'm throwing that joke out now. It's gone. <laughs> Next time you're up on stage. You're like, I used to say that I was 100%, but... I don't know anymore. Yeah. <laughs> They're calling this a, a crisis of faith on stage. Actions have consequences. No! <laughs> uh, let me ask you this, too. I've always wondered, I feel like um, most comedians are a little... Oh, how do we say this because you're a comedian and here on the show and I don't want to be offensive. Crazy? Um, like, uh, like, uh, either we're emotionally black holes or, um, like something wronged us in our youth and this is how we're choosing to deal with it or et cetera, et cetera. Do you find that to be true with you? You know, I think I'm a little, I've, I've wondered this and the the fact that I'm like, I don't know if I have like that thing that crushed my soul that I needed to do comedy for. And I feel Mm -hmm. a little left out. Mm -hmm. I've always had like a real strong desire. Like going back to what I talked about in high school of where I wanted to be funny. I really want people to get laugh. And I felt like just so fulfilled if I could make somebody laugh, Mm -hmm. but I have the most, my parents are like the most supportive people in the world. And they're just so happy with anything I do. And I have a really cool, I don't know all my siblings are cool. I mean, looking back on it now, I might, I was, in a when I started comedy, I was in a bad relationship, mm-hmm. and maybe that was it. And that's if we really want to come full circle, you DJed that wedding that ended up failing, right? Um, it's one well, of the, the wedding... mo- <laughs> it's one of the most epic weddings uh, that I have ever done. I'll tell you why, but go ahead and talk about it. Oh, I'm excited to hear that. I mean, it was really you did a great job. My Thank my you. mom still talks about you. <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's like that DJ was just so fun. Have her call me. Okay, <laughs> we'll get her on an episode. Yeah, please anyway so yeah so that was one of those relationships where it's like well maybe if we get married it'll get better yeah and that's that's not smart thinking but no. i was kind of starting comedy in that area and that's, i didn't realize how sad i was but i was yeah it's in, <laughs> so it's, it's really interesting the way we podcast. it's interesting the way that we uh dive into to things like that thinking that something will fix something right yeah yeah so it makes no sense but in the moment you're like oh yeah i guess so how, how long were you married to her for uh about like 14 months yeah so yeah. you so you knew pretty quick, just not great. Well, I mean, I, I even knew bef- beforehand, but I'd convinced myself not. It was one of those things where it's like, uh, <laughs> when sometimes I don't know, other people experience going through like a divorce. Some mm-hmm. people are like, maybe you should try and work it out. With everybody, everyone in my life was like, yeah, we knew it wasn't good. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're glad you got out, sort of thing. Let me ask you this, because uh, a lot of people felt that way about my first marriage, and uh-huh. and um. And and they never said anything to me about it, right? I, I guess that's a credit to the people in my life and maybe to the people in yours as well, that they were just like, listen, Jordan, Richie, you guys have made these choices and we're going to support you through them. And then yeah. and then when you get on the other side and it doesn't work and they're like, yeah, we we knew it wasn't going to work out. I got really angry for a while that people had not said to me in a way that I would listen, this is a bad, disastrous idea. <laughs> Yeah, I have the exact same feeling. But I look back and I'm like, I don't know if I would have believed them. I would have been like, oh, it's not as bad as it looks. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I really, I'm like, all my energy was spent on like trying to make it look like we were fine because yeah. you just want it to be fine. But yeah, I have the exact same feeling. Like, what, everyone thought this and yeah. nobody was. It f- <laughs> frustrating, like crazy. 
and so that's sort of a thing that like as I've as I've looked back and thought about it, like I will forever now if I have feelings like that about someone who's getting married, even if it risks, you know, some level of that relationship with that person, I I feel like I'm always going to be like, hey, I love you very much, will support you and however that is, but I also need to let you know that this is what I see. Maybe it's different right. and maybe I'm you know, maybe I'm seeing it differently, but I need you to know this, even at the sacrifice of that relationship, because I hold true that like when that happens, they find themselves on the other side of it. They'll remember, oh, yeah, you know who was willing to tell me, you know, the truth, their feelings was Richie or Jordan. Um, See, I do the opposite. I push them into it just so they can be as miserable as I was. (laughs) 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 No, you should do it. That sounds like a great yeah, idea. Do it. Yeah. You should do it. <laughs> Don't think twice, man. Uh, did you feel any... Uh, well, before we go to this next question, uh, I should tell you the reason why uh, that wedding is epic for me. Gorgeous location, first of all. It's just this awesome barn in the middle of like... Uh, it's in Linden. Linden, yeah. which is a suburb of Pea Pleasant Grove. Yeah, which is a suburb of Provo, <laughs> which is a suburb of Salt Lake City. Um, but when you guys... I think it was when you were leaving uh, your wedding reception... Or maybe it was when you guys were, you guys got married in the temple, right? You had been married before the reception. You guys didn't get married at the reception or did you? No, so that we didn't get married in the temple. We got married at that place. Okay, but I wasn't um, there for that part or was I? I can't even remember. I don't think so. Yeah. Because we had some technical difficulties where we were like, we probably should have had somebody here to help us. There was one that. There was one point where you guys are either coming into the reception or coming out of the reception and you had me play Gold Digger by Kanye West. <laughs> And is it Kanye and uh, and uh, oh, what's his name? Jamie Fox, you know, gold. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, 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 yeah. So I so I played that and you two were both fine with it. But the mother of the bride was livid. No, no livid. Way. Like comes right over at me. What are you playing right now? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm playing the song they wanted me to play. It's it's one of my favorite confrontational wedding moments. No, I didn't know that. Yes. That's amazing. Yes, I've. I locked it in my brain. Let's take another break. When we come back here in the third block of the Culture Hall, we'll pick up some last bits and pieces, maybe listen to a little more of Jordan Macon's comedy, and uh, then we'll ask those three questions and be done. Let you go back to your day. We'll do that coming back in the third block of the Cultural Hall. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Hey, this is Dan, the Laptop Man from PC Laptops. Friends, I know a lot of you guys and girls are working from home. So here's some tips for making sure your computer's ready for working at home, because if your computer fails, it's going to be really hard to get it fixed because of dwindling supply and parts. But we have parts right now, and we have a limited supply of new computers available for you. Make sure your computer is healthy and virus and malware free. Hackers are trying to infect people and stealing their information during these challenging times. We'll scan the health of your computer for viruses and malware, plus scan your hard drive, memory, and components to make sure you don't have any failing parts. You want to make sure you have strong antivirus and malware protection software as well. Just get into any PC laptops and we'll check your hardware and your software and scan your computer for viruses for absolutely free. Just go to PCLaptops.com. At PC Laptops, we've been serving you for over 28 years, and we've got your back during these times of need. We're all in this together. So just go to PCLaptops.com, and we'll get you taken care of. I got myself a Fitbit. Any Fitbit users in the audience tonight? Yeah, you better clap. It counts as steps. Do it. Get it in. People usually uh, get a Fitbit to motivate them to exercise more, but not so much me. I just like that it tells me things I'm already doing. Like I look at it and like, oh, I slept 13 hours last night. And it's 8 p.m. and I've taken 92 steps today. So, good for me. My Fitbit's like, no, Jordan, this is bad for you. Very bad. My Fitbit doesn't respect me. That's what I want you to know. Here's the thing my Fitbit does. It's always telling me I'm sleeping 
when I am definitely not sleeping. <laughs> just like Fitbit, can I just watch TV for four hours, motionless, without you assuming things about me? Can we do that, Fitbit? Thank you. So I feel like I have to hide things from my Fitbit. Um, like I'll take it off before I go into a restaurant. I'm just like, you don't need to see me like this. Lost enough respect for me already. I think my Fitbit will have a hard time coming to terms when I die, because I'll die and people will go to my Fitbit and say, hey Fitbit, Jordan's dead. And my Fitbit will be like, yeah, no he's not. I've thought that before and will not fool me again. I feel bad for it though, because it probably came fresh green out of the Fitbit Academy. It's like, I'm gonna slap myself on somebody's wrist and change their life. And then we met and I was like, yeah, we're not doing any of that, Fitbit. <laughs> Lower your expectations. The rest of the set's Fitbit material, just so you know. 30 more minutes of Fitbit jokes. Um, we'll get there. But we set up boundaries. We're getting along better now because we set up some boundaries. The other day my Fitbit popped up and was like, hey Jordan, are you gonna walk 5,000 steps today? And I was like, hey Fitbit, are you gonna walk 5,000 steps today? Last I checked, I'm the one with the legs. So don't talk the talk unless you're gonna walk the walk. I will also not be walking the walk. So now that we respect each other a little bit, I feel like on my actual deathbed, my Fitbit will be sad, will be hovering over me like my arm will be in the air for some reason. And my Fitbit will look down at me and be like, Jordan, I failed you as a Fitbit. I couldn't save you from your own bad decisions. And I'll be like, no, Fitbit. Fitbit. You were a great Fitbit, Fitbit. You may not have made my body better, but you definitely made my heart better. Like, not physically better. I just mean, I'm glad we overcame our differences and we're friends now. Here in the third block of the Cultural Hall, uh, what you again just heard, a little bit of Jordan Macon being funny, and it is confirmed now. I have looked it up on Living Scriptures. Uh, you can see the comedy special of one Jordan Macon. You can see it as part of your free month trial if you use that link at theculturalhall.com in the show notes with this episode. Also, while you're there, uh, you can send us an email, contact at theculturalhall.com. Find us on any social media at The Cultural Hall. And please, if you like this and other episodes, leave us a review, won't you please? Make us visible to your friends. Tell us about your friends. Oh, guys, I listened to this funny thing with two ginger kids. You need to check it out. Refer The Cultural Hall to your friends. Jordan, and you should get on Patreon just to see how sunburnt he was. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> look at you selling it. Patreon.com slash the cultural hall. Jordan, when you uh, when you got divorced, being in the culture, is that weird for you? Where, did you face the LDS divorced culture phenomenon? Uh, I was really grateful that we didn't get married in the temple for right. my first marriage. Because um, I think that would have made it way harder. The fact that most people, pretty much everyone around me knew that our marriage wasn't good. And I think there probably already was some like stigma that we didn't get married in the temple originally, mm -hmm. um, which not necessarily I agree with, but I know people view it as like, well, that marriage might not last anyway. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, which is ridiculous. P.S. Yeah, so dumb. Yeah, I if we can, if we can put to bed the whole let's judge where people are married uh, right. thing. Let's let's just hey, they love each other. Cool. All right. Yeah. But I realize I'm I'm giving more credit to the bad side of the argument since ours didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it should be that way. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I didn't I didn't face at least I, not that I felt. I mean, it was I basically only I stayed at my parents' house and was just sad for a long time. Yeah. So it's pretty it's brutal, like, huh? I don't think people really understand it till you go through it. Yeah, it's really yeah. It's the it's the worst. Like e thing. even when when uh even when the marriage is a train wreck and a dumpster fire, like there's still this mourning of like oh should I have done differently or oh I'm a failure at life and this is For the sure. greatest example of it. Yeah, I think I think there's I don't remember who does the joke, but there's a joke that's like we should never be sad about divorce because no good marriage gets divorced. Oh, it's it Louis C.K. It's Louis <laughs> C.K. Oh yeah, it's Louis. Yeah, you never you never say. It <laughs> 
Yeah, two people that were married and are getting divorced, they're never like, no, we really wanted to. We <laughs> really happened. wanted We just had to get divorced. No, we should say congratulations. <laughs> but it's still, yeah, it's not a fun thing to do. How'd you meet your wife now? This one, 2.0. Uh, so this one is kind of, it's kind of a scandal, but not really a scandal. Oh. I, how I originally met her uh-huh. is that she, in the very first, so I, I teach public speaking at UVU. <gasps> She was one of my students when I very first met her. Okay. But we didn't date. We I didn't. Good. Good. I'm years. glad you didn't. <laughs> but what but what, much later. but what a weird what a weird setup for the whole thing. So how how do you get how do you mentally get past like the this was a student, this is, you know, the optics of this look like this. How does that all work? Well, see, I was so young when I started teaching cuz I had just started my master's program and so I I felt very un uh prepared and unqualified to be doing it, even though i technically was uh-huh. and so f- especially for most of my first classes teaching and even now it's like i'm just homies with these people i just give them grades yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> so i think what i think the hurdle was that she used to have respect for me and then she realized i'm really not that smart oh. <laughs> that was the hurdle to overcome <laughs> but you you broke that down for real quick yeah yeah Yeah. pretty quickly how does she feel Uh, about you doing comedy does she like it or does she like well whatever he does whatever his passions if his passions (laughs) was butterflies i'd be in for butterflies (laughs) um she's really supportive and she just she always is like do you want me to come to a show even though i'm like in my head i'm like you've seen my joke so many times you do not want to go she refuses to go to open mics now which is totally understandable right I think if I wasn't making any money doing it, she probably wouldn't be be on board. <laughs> sure, I mean, because it's t- it, I mean, it's the same way I feel about doing theater anymore. Like, if I'm going to go and do theater, it either it has to be one of two things: I have to either get paid for my time, which yeah. is reasonable, or two, it has to be something that I want to do so badly, like that rare passion project that okay, I'll invest my time free because there's something so emotionally or you know internally fulfilling that i have to do it otherwise no why would i go and spend time away from my family or have the stress of whatever for just a meh kind of experience yeah yeah for sure and i love doing comedy but it's true like when you're doing it like especially when you have a day job and then your weekend nights you're doing comedy even though i love doing it it's like i'm so drained by the time sunday comes around because i haven't had any free time really um so yeah so but she's been she's a trooper well, and, and the wife of a comedian um, or anyone in the spotlight, right? Typically, I would imagine she's a little more introverted than you are. You know, actually, she's not. Oh, really? She's, I've realized that I'm more, I like being on stage and having all the attention on me, but I'm not, like I said, I'm not, I wasn't like the class clown or anything. Right. Adrian is very much like a social butterfly and is uh, outgoing and yeah, you'd, you'd like her, Richie. Okay. I don't she, know if you, have you, did you ever meet I her? I have never uh, met her. I've never oh, okay. met her. She, but she has to play the nurse of like your sensitive feelings. Like you go to a show and just suck the spouses of people like ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, I, I feel so bad for my wife because I'm sure that on a regular occasion, she's like, you know, you're like insane, right? <laughs> like, like maybe, you know, maybe today it's, it's, uh, this overwhelming depression, but tomorrow it will be this crazy amount of manic whatever like i ju- uh, i just feel bad for spouses of people that crave need desire attention like w- the worst job ever we put these people in well especially like when we were early on dating i did a show she came with me and alex Valuto actually outside of rock springs uh, wyoming for people who don't know and yeah. it's a suburb of nowhere <laughs> yeah suburb of suburb of dirt and I was, I, this was one of my first, I was doing like 30 minutes on this show and she had seen me do like smaller sets, but I was like, this will be good. And it was like one of the worst sets I ever had. And then there's this terrible four hour drive home. And and she was, I remember she was very supportive. I'm like, that was one of the worst things ever. And she's like, no, it was fine. They just weren't into you <laughs> sort of thing, which has to be exhausting to pick somebody up after something doesn't go well. And you're like, I'm never doing comedy again. I'm throwing <laughs> away my microphone. Take away my bar stool and bottle of water that I never drink from. I'm done. And yes, comedians bring their own to each show. We each have our own microphones yeah. and our own bar stools. That's our gun and badge. I'm not sure if you knew that. I just wanted to make sure that we made that uh, made that very well known to folks that they do. I've, I've thought about that, though. Is there a place to do that within comedy to be 
like a, a bring your own mic or bring your own, not necessarily prop, but could that be part of branding? And here's where my mind is gone. <laughs> I think the standard is you always have the, uh, you know, the mic stand and then the microphone, right? And the, you know, the person that introduces you always does it into the microphone stand. And then the first thing that the next comedian does is takes the mic out of the stand and then starts to position themselves. Like, could you be like wireless love comedian guy? <laughs> I think so, but not off the bat. You have to gain some clout before okay. people would tolerate you doing yeah. that. Yeah. Consider it. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Consider but it's probably a bit safer now to have your own mic thing because with the COVID, they're like, wise guys are like disinfecting mics in between. They have like three mics rotating at shows and stuff. Wow. Wow. So well, and well they should. And they should to be safe as far as that goes. Yeah, uh, what sure. what's uh what what's in the future for you, Jordan Macon? What can we look forward to to hearing or seeing or you doing or all that stuff? Well, I hope things get back to normal again so I can continue doing more shows. But as of right as of right now, there's not a whole lot going on in the comedy world. Mm-hmm. Um Adri, my wife and I, as I said, she's outgoing. We do a podcast together if people want to hear us there, hear us bicker and have fun. What's it called? It's called My Wife Thinks. Okay. With Jordan and Adrian. Um what what's the setup of that like? My wife thinks I'm a fat redhead, and I am. Like what? That's, what? Yeah, that's pretty much every episode. Yeah, <laughs> and she's right, everyone. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, but like, is it like, uh, like I'm coming to it to just be entertained? Am I gonna learn more about myself? Like, what's the what's the kind of the meat to it? So the original premise is that uh, Adrian, she grew up in a really like her family is very Mormon, uh-huh. and they weren't allowed to watch lots of movies, and so she doesn't understand a lot of references. So part of it is that like we'll watch she'd never seen the Terminator before. So Uh we watched the first two Terminator movies and then she talked about it or I'll quiz her on pop culture stuff that maybe she should know. And then we'll talk about marital disputes about should we have to shower before you get into clean sheets? That's been that's been a dispute in our marriage. She thought every time the sheets are washed, you have to shower that night. And I disagreed. And we discuss on air. So it's really riveting, powerful stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, that's life changing right there. That is. I hate to tell you too. I'm I'm gonna side on the at least for one night. Let's keep the sheets clean. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but to be fair to both you and her, I uh, I shower every night regardless. But, See, I'm a mor- She's a night shower, and I'm a morning shower. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys got married. Good for you. You guys. Are, <laughs> yeah. You guys are looking past <laughs> those differences. Proof that differences can be overcome. We ask everyone who steps into the cultural hall, Jordan, three questions. I'll ask those of you right now. The first question is, Is do you have a calling? And if so, what is it? Uh, right now, we I, I don't, actually. Okay. Uh, our, we have a, we're in a really interesting ward that's mostly a retirement center. Hmm. And so there aren't like any primary kids in the ward. And we've kind of, I'm the type to try and fly under the radar, maybe avoid the bishop a little bit to avoid getting a calling. Yeah. So. Sorry to no that that's cool. It helps the Lord's work progress. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. Don't don't feel don't feel like you have to you know don't feel like you have to do your part. Keep that up. Because I think they would have put us in the primary. There's really like ten primary kids. Yeah, and and at the point that there's ten adults serving in primary, they start to <laughs> yeah. look around and be like, maybe you guys should just stick with your own kids and handle it yourself. Yeah, uh, if it's you can- so ni- I gotta say it's so nice to not have a calling though to just go to things and and just be able to enjoy it. Yeah, it yeah. must must be nice, Jordan. But the rest of us, <laughs> you know, taking those. What's your calling right now? I am the new well, uh, new member welcome guy. So when new people move into my ward, I show up and I go, "Hey, do you want us to bother you? A, a lot. B, once a month. C, please don't ever come to my house again. That's that's what I do. That's or, a good job for or you. Or I also do the, uh, you know, knock, knock, knock. Hello, is uh, Jordan Macon live here? Yeah, Jordan hasn't lived here in 17 years. And then you hear someone in the background go, hey, Jordan, who is it? <laughs> so That's I, a good job for you. Yeah, I do, like I do a lot of that. And a lot of time where I just have to be real with people and be like, listen. I'm just doing what they asked me to do. I'm not, you know, it's, I'm not trying to be secretive. We're not trying to make you come back to church, nor do we want to harass you. We're just trying to find out what level of involvement you would like. And if you can just give me a straight answer, then I can be able to respect that issue. So that, that's no, that's find- uh, such a good way. It's a refreshing way to approach it. Richie. Yeah, that's what I that's what I find myself doing. And since I'm inner city Salt Lake, you know, a suburb of nothing, it is the city. Whoa, uh, I, I we do a lot of it. 
our ward boundaries are massive for the amount of amount of actual active members. Right. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. If you could pick a calling for yourself, either one that exists or make one up, what would you pick? See, I should have known these questions beforehand so I could have clever answers yeah, for them. Yeah, well. I think I would, um, the calling that I'd want to have is that I just, not to be in the nursery, but just to, I'd be there at the end to make sure each kid got to the right parent because I know there's a lot of mix-ups that happen. Yeah. And so I'd just be in charge of making sure that kid was yours. You take it, especially in families and wards with big families. Yeah, smart. I don't know what we would call that calling, but I really like it. I call it toddler coordinator. Okay, okay, okay. Can we please sustain <laughs> for, <laughs> for toddler coordinator, uh, Mr. Jordan Megan? I love it. Tell me what people have said. What did Steve Solberg say that was so good? Uh, well, I'll tell you after I ask the final question because it's it's classic. Uh, okay. However, I, I don't want to distract from the spirit of the question because the actual last question is a fairly serious one. Uh, okay. It is, what is your favorite part of your faith? Uh, my favorite part is that, and I think this is a part that's lacking in a lot of religions, is that we believe that we're like eternal creative beings. Like, can we? it's hard to conceptualize what like the eternities are, but we know that things are going to be progressing and we'll be able to like create things, especially being like a creative person. Mm-hmm. That appeals to me. And I, some people don't think about it as like a creative process, but to me, it seems like it will be. Yeah. I mean, we don't really have any concept for it, but the fact that it's just not like we're just going to hang out in heaven yeah, and just, just be there. Yeah. Or like just, and then you die. Yeah. Or the, yeah, or that too. Yeah. So yeah, that's something I really I appreciate about Mormonism is that it's like, yeah, you get to keep doing, you probably get to find things that you love and that's an eternal aspect. I don't know how to explain this, but yeah. it makes it exciting for me to, and not as like daunting as well, you're just going to hang out with Jesus for the rest of forever. Right. I mean, you get your own planet for crying out loud. Yeah, for crying out loud. Uh, so the Steve Solberg episode, and I know we've teased this a little bit in the last couple of months because I've mentioned this. It's so epic. It's episode number 179. I will also link that in the show notes to this episode. So Steve Solberg, he was on the phone. I think he was on the way to a gig. And I asked him, you know, what calling? He said, this is what my calling is. I said, what, you know, if you could pick a calling, he says, hey, I'd pick a calling, whatever, right? Sort of non-memorable <laughs> uh, answers. I did uh, that. Yeah, yeah, Simple. yeah. Yeah, you got, no, I mean, to- toddler coordinator, good, at least a title, maybe, uh, maybe there leaves some to be desired It's kind of creepy that. now that I think about yeah, it. But no, that but was, that toddler, was... no, toddler coordinator is fine. Okay, right? thank I you. Think, and I think, I think it's a safe, good title. Uh, so then I asked him what his favorite part of his faith was, and he pauses for a minute as if befuddled by my question and then says, uh, my eyes. He thought <laughs> he thought that I said, what's your favorite part of your face? You know, that pivotal last <laughs> faith-promoting question that someone I, would ask in the cultural hall. If I had thought you would ask that, I would have been befuddled. I mean, like, I... Don't have an answer for yeah, you. There's no literally idea. no part of my face that's my favorite. <laughs> anyway, it's worth it's worth going and back and listening to the the very last little bit because it he so he answers my eyes and starts to go into why his <laughs> eyes are his you know the Steve Solberg way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What is he? Oh, he thought I said. Anyway, it's it's a great it's a classic <laughs> moment from the cultural hall. That's so funny. Oh, Steve Solberg. Bless his heart, right? That's what you need to say right there. Bless his heart. Uh, We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.